So why would I do something after eight years of not doing it? And the reason being is because our country is in tremendous trouble, tremendous trouble, like nothing I've ever seen in my 54 years. So much trouble that I'll give you a little quick story of what happened today at the bookstore. So I walk into the bookstore and meeting me is this woman with green hair, or maybe it was purple, but earrings the whole nine yards. And I said to her, she said, do you know where the book that Donald Trump wrote about immigration, what to do with the Chinese, the Muslims, the Mexicans, the Central Americans, and everybody else who's coming into the country? And she said, shut up, get out, and don't come back. I said, yeah, that's the name of the book. <laughs> yeah. I didn't write that myself, but anyway, so yeah. So I'm here tonight to speak to you about what I think we can do to make sure that we win the election. Also going to talk to you about some strategies that I have, that I have shared with presidential candidates, that I've shared with multiple different people who run for office and ultimately lose. But uh, I, I think I have a plan that can really put America back on its feet. And it would be hard to do in 45 minutes to cover all of it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of take this in the same way that if you went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, gee, Dennis, your head isn't right. Your heart isn't right. Your lungs aren't good. Your skin looks really dirty. You can't walk up the stairs without losing your breath. Maybe you should stop smoking those cigarettes. All right. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take the cigarette. And the cigarette is immigration. All right. Because if we stop the problem that we see at our border right now, if we stop the mass immigration that's coming into this country right now, there are so many different problems that get solved. And so I want to tell you, just so this way, for those of you who don't know me, who have never seen me before tonight, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a background uh, on why it is that I believe I have the expertise in, in this particular area. First of all, um, as it was announced, I used to be a pretty successful entrepreneur. Uh, John Scully, the former CEO of Apple and Pepsi, was a partner of mine in, in one of my businesses. And we had this unbelievably gorgeous office on 90 Park Avenue in Manhattan. And every day I would sit outside and I would look at the Twin Towers. And it was incredible motivation for me because, I don't know, it's, there's just something about those majestic buildings that just gave you America. And on 9-11, I just so happened to be down in Wall Street and I'm one of the people who you saw run from those buildings. All the soot, everything. So I don't know if you've ever met anybody who actually lived 9-11, but believe me when I tell you, it's far different than what it looked like on television. When you see your fellow citizen jump from 80 stories because that's the better of all deaths, you know you're seeing something that is incredible. So I decided to throw it all away and I went to film school because I had always dreamt of being either the shortstop for the New York Yankees, or I wanted to be Tom Cruise. And uh, Derek Jeter definitely beat me out, and uh, I'm taller than Tom Cruise, I don't know what happened, 
But regardless, I went to film school and I started making a film, this thing called King of the Hamptons, which for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Hamptons, that is the east end of Long Island. And so my thought was I'd go out there, I'd make a documentary, I'd meet all the people in Hollywood and I would become one of those people that you have learned to hate. Every day that I would drive out to the Hamptons from our Long Island home, I would pass a man and if you've ever seen any one of my films about, it's called They Come to America. I did a whole series. That's how I actually got on Fox News years ago. But there was a man standing at the corner of a 7-Eleven in Southampton. His name was Tom Waddell. And every day he'd stand there proudly with his sign that said, Deport Illegals. And on the other side of the corner, it was a 7-Eleven where this was all happening, was at any given moment, 200 illegal aliens looking for work. Now, Imagine that being 200 prostitutes. You know and I know that every person that drove up to pick up one of those prostitutes would have been arrested, and so too would the girls. The residents would have called and demanded that this was taken away, that you didn't have that sort of thing, especially in Southampton, New York. But it was allowed to go on every single day. And Tom Waddell, who was a very proud contractor, had 25 employees working for him, wound up losing everything went into bankruptcy, lost everything. And the reason being is because he wouldn't hire illegal aliens. So one day I decided to pull over and see what this was all about and learn a little bit more about this guy after I had seen somebody throw hot coffee at him, no BS. And he told me his story. And at that given time, I remembered what they taught me at film school. They didn't tell you go hang out with uh, Alec Baldwin they said, try to come up with unique storytelling that nobody else is telling. Not easy to do with films, because there's a film of almost about everything. So I looked up, and there was not a single film about immigration. Not a single one. I'm saying, why, why is there no films about immigration? My goodness, did I step in this one or what? So I had no idea about illegal immigration. Nothing other than what I had just learned outside from Tom Waddell uh, you know, when he was staying at the 7-Eleven. And he said, uh, he, said, uh, he said a line to me, which sticks to me to this day. He said, you know, we got guys fighting over Afghanistan right now. We're giving away our citizenship it's like as it comes out of a Cracker Jacks box. And I said, wow. I said, well, if you were the president, what would you do? He said, well, I'd start by building a wall because even heaven has a gate. And I said, wow, all right, great. So now all of a sudden I had my movie. And when I started researching everything that I saw online, nothing matched to what I saw when I went out in the field. And the first place I actually came to was Florida. And I went to a job fair down in Aventura. And when I went to that job fair, they were filled with American citizens, all different ages. And so when I started asking people why they couldn't get a job, why they were at this job fair, they, most of them came back and said, I can't get a job because I don't speak Spanish. And I had one woman say to me, she, she was there, she was actually giving back massages, representing a chiropractic firm. And she said, I used to be a banker. I lost my job in banking and now I'm doing massage therapy because it's the only job I could get. And I lost my job at the bank because I don't speak Spanish. Well, my neighbor back where I used to live was Brian Kilmeade, the Fox News, Fox and Friends. Uh, and we were great friends. Our family 
uh, went away on vacation together, Mexico of all places. And um, so <laughs> I told Brian that I had made this film and I couldn't get it into a single film festival. Even though it was Oscar worthy, I could not get it into a film festival. And the reason why I couldn't get it into a film festival is because I told the story of immigration through the American viewpoint, not from the poor migrant who's coming over to search for a better life. I told the story of Tom Waddell. I told the story of the woman who had her daughter die because there was a man who was an illegal alien working with her and decided that he wanted to rape and chop her into pieces. It turns out to be that my stepfather was actually the homicide detective on that story. But long story short, because I was telling the story as it was really happening to American citizens who were losing their lives, losing their jobs, losing their identifications, not one single fe film festival in over 50 that I applied to would take my film. And when I finally had somebody tell me why it was, it was the first time in my life that I was ever called a racist. Okay, so I go to Brian. I said, hey, Brian, I don't even watch you on Fox News, but you're telling me everything you do in Mexico. What, you know, I, what do you think? He says, send me a trailer. Roger Ailes, may, may his, you know, rest his soul, had me on Fox News the next day. And for years, I was the main go-to guy for immigration. So I've made four films on this, not only on the southern border, but also on the northern border, which creates a whole other issue in of itself. And uh, maybe uh, Faye wants to invite me next year to talk about the Canadians. But for right now, we're going to talk about what's going on with the Mexicans. So Fox News, I remember Megyn Kelly, uh, I was, uh, I'm not sitting up here trying to tout my horn, but I was Megyn Kelly's go-to guest. In fact, I held the uh, record for the highest rating she ever had for the first night she had me on. And I was sitting there, do you remember Jeb Bush, a guy named Jeb Bush? Yeah. What a clown. Do you, do you remember when he said illegal immigration was an act of love? Do you remember that? So that, that day, uh, Megan reached out to me personally. and said, I'd like you to come on, and I want you to talk about what Jeb Bush said. And when you're on television, there's usually three cameras, and none of them are ever in your face. The only person that's ever looking in your face is, you know, Megan Kelly, or when I had my TV show. Today, on the Dennis Michael Lynch, uh, that's the way you do it. But other than that, it's always a side profile. And I was so pissed off about what Jeb Bush had said that I turned away from Megan and I looked right into the camera as if I was talking to the person at home. And I said, I am tired of all these candidates. The first thing they try to do is what can I do for the illegal alien? You know, an act of love, that's the Marine that goes over to Afghanistan or goes over to Iraq, loses his legs, comes back and says that if he had the chance, he'd do it all again. That's an act of love. What we're watching right now is an invasion at our border. And so the Megan's like, oh, oh. Well, would you know it, for about the next week, they got inundated with uh, emails and letters that they, people watching Fox wanted me to run for president. So now I've been married to my wife, Mary. We've been together since the ninth grade. So I could basically say anything to her and get away with it. So I went home, I said, Mary, Megan's telling me that people think I'm the next Ronald Reagan. And she's like, I don't know what they think, but I need you to go cut the lawn. <laughs> so, okay, so it humbles you very quickly. 
But then eventually what happens is after people start saying it to you a million times, you say, why? Why is this? In fact, Megan said to me, she goes, if you ever decide to do this, will you announce it on my show? I'm like, wait a second, I don't even have a college degree. You know, what do I know? And I started traveling the country and I started doing these talks and people were coming up to me in Texas, Arizona, Florida, and they're saying, you know what? I used to love Ted Cruz. Now I want to vote for you. I'm like, okay. So this, my life is changing. All this stuff is changing in front of me. And I decided that I was really going to give it a run. And I announced on Megan's show that I was going to uh, consider running for president, that I was going to explore it. Well, Donald Trump didn't like this very much. So he called Roger Ailes and he said, if that kid runs for president, he's going to win. So lo and behold, my, my interviews on Fox News suddenly stopped. So I made a decision at that point in time. Do I support Donald Trump because he was saying and believing the same things I believed, especially about immigration, or do I be pissed off about what's going on here that I wanted the spotlight for me? Well, I went down the channel of, I'm going to get behind Donald J. Trump. And I got behind Donald J. Trump on television long before any of the other people just started jumping on the wagon. In fact, you remember um, uh, black duo sisters, Diamond and Silk? I created them. So I, I found them on YouTube, uh, their first video, second video. And I said, okay, we have things that we have to solve in order to get Donald J. Trump elected. One of them is we have to prove that this guy is not a racist because they're doing to him what they did to me. They label you racist simply because you want your border secure in the same way that you would lock your door at night. So I knew that those two girls would help solve a bit of the problem of how are you going to call them a racist when you've got these two girls. So I created their whole shtick, the whole nine yards. And one time I got him, first time I got him on the Drudge Report cover back when Drudge Report was good. And Donald Trump called the next day and the rest of it was history. I wound up getting a, uh, a job at Newsmax. I had the number one show. I was actually going up against Megan uh, in the 2016 election. And I, I, I was always fighting for Trump, fighting for Trump, fighting for Trump. And Dick Morris, I remember Dick Morris all the time used to be on. I said, no, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, until Cruz was gone. And then it was Donald Trump. And everybody started jumping on. And then my concern was is that nobody was doing enough to highlight Hillary. And I started to change my tune going from everything was pro-Trump every night to I started to highlight the things that Hillary Clinton had done over her career. And lo and behold, the CEO of Newsmax, his name is Chris Ruddy, pulled me off the air. Live television pulled me off the air. And I later found out that Chris Ruddy, and I only tell you this because I tell everybody I ever have a chance, every time you turn on Newsmax, just remember that Chris Ruddy gave $1 million to the Clinton Foundation. Just so you know. Just so you know. So eventually what I did was I, I, I left the world of television because a lot of it is BS and a lot of it is written and I didn't want to be in that world anymore. Plus, Megan had left because her and Donald Trump uh, didn't get along very well. And I just said, you know, enough of this. I'm going to start my own thing. And I started this thing called the DML News App and Team DML. It's my own little gig. We've got thousands of people. In fact, my son just handed you out little flyers. So this is the two-second commercial. Download the DML News App for free. And you'll be able to listen to my podcast every single day. If you want to become a team member, you get extra stuff. You get to be dealing with me. In fact, there's one team uh, member here who's been with me for a while. I didn't even know she was coming. And I appreciate that. But what you get from me is you always get the story of Trump, 
pro-America and what the hell is going on in this country and what we got to do to solve it. And so the great thing about having your own gig is that you can just say it as you want to say it. You can't say it on Facebook anymore. You can't say it on YouTube. You can't say it almost anywhere. You can say a little bit on Twitter. You could say it a bit on Rumble. But at the end of the day, censorship has become such a big part of the left's arsenal that when I hear Ed up here talking about what we got to do, I can tell you right now, the biggest thing you got to do is you got to get the message out one person at a time. I'll tell you a quick story. I led off with a little joke about the woman with the blue, green, yellow hair, whatever it was. Okay. Well, that's a real true person, just not a real true story. I had a woman who started following me on Facebook because she thought I had nice hair. <clears throat> no joke. She was from New York. Her name is Amy. And she started listening to me all the time. She was a New York Democrat. Actually, she describes herself as a New York Jewish Democrat. And she had blue hair. And then she had purple hair. And I never forget the first time I met her. I said, oh my God, what is this? I mean, this woman's 60 years old and she's got blue hair. So anyway, she said to me, Dennis, I've listened to you so many different times that I changed from being a Democrat to a Republican. I said, oh, wow. She moved to, Flo wait, it gets better. She moved to Florida. She got so engaged in politics that now she is on the school board um, up here in, uh, in Stewart, Florida. So think about that. Just from my message, I turned a blue-haired Democrat into a white-haired school board person who is helping children now not have to learn about CRT or gender studies. So I tell that to you because it can happen. It can happen. You gotta focus in on the things that matter most to people, and that's what we're gonna talk about for the rest of my time with you, okay? So, I told you about diamond and silk. The thing about President Trump from 2016 to 2020 that was fantastic was that he exposed a lot of things. But before he exposed a lot of things, he was talking about the things when he was a candidate that people mattered, mattered most to them at that given time. I'll just give you five of them. He talked about immigration, Obamacare, safety against China and against foreign invaders, putting more money in your, in your pocket, and locking up Hillary Clinton. Remember that, right? Okay. We never got Hillary, but what we did get from Trump from 2016 to 2020 is we learned how corrupt the media is. We learned how corrupt DC and the GOP are. Remember the reason why you still have Obamacare today isn't because of Nancy Pelosi, it's because of John McCain. That's why you still have Obamacare. That's why I'm paying $3,300 per month for my health insurance, okay? We learned that our allies around the world aren't necessarily great friends. They don't wanna pay for anything. They want us to do everything. They want us to shoulder everything. We learned this through Trump. What did we learn from Trump after he was gone? We learned that our court system is corrupt. We've learned that our elections are completely broken and corrupt. We learned that the FBI is corrupt, and we learned that the social media companies are working with the FBI, and they too are corrupt. That's what Trump did for us. 
A thousand years from now, people are still going to talk about Donald J. Trump like they do Washington today or Lincoln today. Donald J. Trump is going to be a name that we still talk about when all of us are long gone, because what he did was he opened up the bottle of truth. Now, he's not a perfect guy. I wouldn't want him marrying my daughter. <laughs> you know? I wouldn't want him to be. And he's done a lot of things that weren't so good, like giving Anthony Fauci a medal on his way out of office. But there's only been one person to ever walk on water. And he's fallible, just like the rest of us. But what he did for us is he gave us this unbelievable opportunity to figure out what is really wrong with this country and how it is that we need to fix it. So look at what we have now. How do you have a guy in office who can barely walk from here to that door without everybody being panicked? He can't get a sentence out. How did we get to where we are right now? Because let me tell you something. He's really effective. He is an effective president. He has effectively destroyed our country that took hundreds of years and how many lives, how many people in here served in the military? Raise your hand. Thank you very much for your service. So right now, I just have a, a list. I did it in the car on the things that are wrong in this country. I'll just read a few of them. And if you want to throw a couple out when I miss a few, feel free. But Joe Biden essentially has made it to where we're taking all of our money and we're literally burning it by sending it overseas. For what? For what? How much military equipment did we leave over there in Afghanistan? How long did that take? How much did that cost you? It's gone like this. Boom. China and Iran. China. I mean, come on. China and Iran right now are growing into being two of the most powerful entities around the world. And we're worried about putting up the right LGBTQ elemental P flag. They're teaching their kids how to destroy America. And so too are we. So too are we. Cartels. You know, a lot of times people think of cartels like Al Pacino. Say hello to my little friend. That's not what the cartels are. Trust me when I tell you I've been face-to-face -face with cartels. These people are highly trained operatives that can survive in the desert for a very long time. And you know what they have? They have what our guys and gals used to have. They have a burning and they burn in their belly. They want to destroy America. They want to destroy your kids. They want to take every single last dollar amount that you have in the bank. The cartels operate in every single town in the United States of America. How did this happen? The who? And I don't mean Roger Daltrey and Peter Townsend. I mean the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum. They all are working right now to take over everything. Ma'am in the red shirt, shaking your head. You got a cold? You got a sniffle? You want to go to the doctor? Uh-uh. Not unless the who says it's an okay doctor. Man right here, reading his phone. He's looking at his bank balance. 13 million he's got in the bank. The World Economic, he doesn't even know I'm talking about him. The World Economic Forum wants to take his money. Money is going to be a thing that's gone. You understand that? Money is going to wind up, see you later. You're going to be successful in this country based on your social credit score. Ah, you know, Faye keeps on rolling through those red lights.
Ed never says thank you like he's supposed to, which is not true. But social credit score, oh, how do you know that I'm not saying thank you? Well, we're reading your emails. You don't sign off thank you. That is going to happen. And the, your kids will get a job based on how well your credit score is as a human being, how much you are falling in line. This is not a sci-fi story. Because if on September 10th, going back 20 plus years ago, had I told you that we were going to have people who freaking herd goats take over planes, fly them into the Twin Towers, fly them into the White House, you would have told me I was freaking crazy until the next day. Then I was brilliant. We don't have to go overseas. Let's go at the bottom part of the list. Homelessness. Have you ever seen the amount of homelessness that we have in this country right now? It is insane. And a lot of times people think about homelessness and they think it's just some drunk or some drug addict. My sons and I did a whole film, you can see it on Amazon Prime, called United States of Tents. We, read around, we went around the entire country to learn about this particular topic. There are two different types of homelessness. There's episodic and there's chronic. Episodic is, oh my God, my daughter lost her job. Her husband got into a car accident. They got no money. I got no money. And before you know it, they're living in a car. Then kids are living in cars. Then they're living in tents. And then after two or three weeks, the slide happens. And that's when they start self-medicating with cheap fentanyl. Right now, we have illegal aliens being put up in posh hotels, beautiful like this. And we've got veterans sleeping at a curb. Joe Biden, drugs, fentanyl, off the charts, over 100,000 deaths. If we had Iranian ships come in right now to our shores and knock out a city with 100,000 people, we'd be at war the next day. But we got 100,000 people across this country dying every single day because China and the cartels are poisoning them. And you know what we're doing? We're leaving the border more wide open. Joe Biden's saying, hey, listen, uh, once we get to 5,000 a day, I'll shut down the border. There's too many women in this, but if I was in front of Joe Biden, do you know what I would say? I'd say F you. 5,000. Woke. Woke. We got wokeness. Woke wasn't even a word during Trump. Woke. Schools. Do you remember back when you were in school and I was in school? We had a protractor, right? Spelling tests. You remember spelling tests? I used to take a Bic pen. Remember the Bic pens? They would clear the Bic pens. And I used to spend my whole Thursday writing all the cheat sheet words and sliding it in the Bic pen so I get 100 on my spelling test. Spelling? Who spells anymore? The only thing you need to be able to spell is LGBTQ. And make sure you put the plus sign. That's what kids are learning. How are they going to compete? How are the kids today going to compete tomorrow? My daughter is 15 years old. If I said to her, and she's pretty smart, she goes to a private school. If I said to her, fill out this envelope and send grandma a birthday card, she wouldn't know where to start. What are they teaching? What are they te they're teaching crap? They're teaching that America sucks. I'm still going. I haven't even gotten to inflation yet. Inflation. Censorship, the economy. There's a man, he's 83 years old. Maybe you saw this. His name is Beauvais. He just retired. He lives in Tampa. He was famous for calling the 2008 housing crisis. 
He just came out with his last statement before he retired and said the U.S. economy has 10 years, it will collapse 100% and China will be the dominant currency. You know what, you know, back to this guy here who's got $13 million in the bank. If the, if, if, if the dollar goes to become useless, that 13 million is worth zero. So our country's on fire right now. Even though all of us are nice and comfortable, you probably had your nice little cookie in the back and you're gonna drive home in your Lexus and I'm gonna drive home in my BMW and it's all good until it's not. And we're on the cusp of that if we lose. And you know who's gonna be screwed if we lose? Florida. Because what you're gonna see is what happened three years ago with me. When COVID was there and they were making my kid wear a double mask in school, I said to my wife, can we finally go to where conservatives hang out? And she said, yeah, okay, we'll go. We've been here for three years. It's like Christmas every day. It really is. It's Christmas every day. Because when you've lived in New York for 51 years and all you know is radical lefty governors, right? One of the first stories, I'm going to go longer then. You want me to tell you the story? It's a good story. Okay. So one of the first experiences I have here in Florida, all right, my New Yorker totally comes out. So I'm renting a house up in Vero Beach on the ocean. The lady uh, gave it to me very cheap because she knew me from Fox News days. And so I'm there and it had a gate and the whole nine yards. And at four o'clock in the morning, my phone starts going off. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And it's all my banks. And so the first thing that comes to me is, my God, my wallet. Where the hell's my wallet? Now that particular night, we had gone out with friends. I had too many cocktails. My wife drove. And so I'm always a big lock your doors at night. My wife is loosey-goosey. So on this one particular night that Mary drives the car, so be it from Fort Pierce, two people come over. They go into the car. They steal my wallet, the whole nine yards. They go up to the Safeway or whatever it is, Speedway you guys have here. And he starts using my cards to buy scratch-offs that they're ultimately going to go and use the cash to buy drugs. So I call the police department. The police department's at my house at 6 a.m. I'm still a little hungover. And the guy comes up and we're BSing about it. And I said, you know, the best thing about this is thank God I never woke up. And he said, why? I said, because I brought my shotgun down here with me. I said, and I would have blown those guys away. I said, and I would, I'd, I'd be in freaking jail. And he said, buddy, you're in Florida now. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He goes, it's called stand your ground. Look it up. And I did. It's the greatest thing in the world. In fact, the sheriff now is my buddy. He's on my podcast all the time. So the, the beauty of that is that this is what we have. But when we lose, if we lose this coming election, the people around the country are all going to want to come to Florida. And the problem with that is that it's going to wind up being supply and demand. And you think you're paying a lot for stuff now? Wait until what it happens when they all come. And you can't blame them. This is where people want to be. But if we lose, trust me when I tell you, you're going to remember if, God forbid, we lose, which we won't. But if we lose, you'd say, do you remember that guy? What he said, man, this is why we're paying X amount of dollars because all these people are coming. So what do we have to do? Because I do think we could win. So right now we have a very uh, incompetent man going against a man who is basically having his world ripped apart for jaywalking. And because that's really what it is. The fact that they just gave that broad $83 million for coming up with a bullshit story is just pathetic. 
And as I said to my son on the, on the podcast the other day, I said, you know, the part that bothers me is that Donald J. Trump worked very hard for his money. And now they're stealing it from him and giving it to people who don't want to work hard. That, is, that alone is the crime. That's the crime right there, what they're doing to him. If they could do it to him, they can do it to us. So we have to win this election. And there's nobody who's ever been more determined to win an election than Donald J. Trump. He just needs help. So there's two things here that has to happen. Two things that has to happen. Because one of the emails that I got in 2016 from the Trump organization was, thank you so much for all that you did. Messaging. That is where my specialty is. Messaging. Diamond and silk. We're not diamond and silk. I gave them the names. You're diamond. You're silk. You're going to rant and rave, and you are going to take colored uh, Gatorade, put it into a wine glass each time differently, and just go, uh-huh. I said, and you'll go viral every time. And that's what winds up happening. So that's where my specialty is in messaging. Same thing. My name is Dennis Michael Lynch. Nobody knows me as Dennis Michael Lynch. Everybody knows me as DML because I go back to John Scully, the former CEO of Apple and Pepsi. He was a marketing guru. And he said, it's all about marketing into people. It's about marketing. That's why the second you say to your liberal neighbor or somebody who's married to a liberal, you know, uh, she's a libtard, they shut down. You become the enemy. Even though they are one, you can say it. Not if you want to win. You've got to get the Amy with the blue hair to come on over with the white hair and become the Republican conservative. One person at a time, and that's how you win. So the message, here's where Trump kind of blew it. Women right now, notwithstanding the beautiful women in this room, women right now are not happy with him, especially single women across the country. It is the number one demographic that he lost. And I've actually talked to some of them. We have a person in my family, and that's as far as I'm going to go. We have a person in my family who has friends who voted for Trump, who didn't vote for him in 2020. And I asked why and said, I don't like the way he talks about women. I don't like the nicknames he gives to women. I cannot consciously vote for him because my husband cheated on me, because my husband talked to me rudely. See, people personalize it, okay? We have an opportunity to get those women back because in the, in the four years since he's been gone, worse than speaking to a woman derogatorily, they don't have any money anymore. They're out of money. They're going to the grocery store and they're spending a hundred bucks and they're coming home with nothing more than maybe two days of food if lucky. They're going to try to go to work and they're putting gas in their car at $75 and they're saying, why am I paying $75 to drive to a place that I'm only going to be making 120 today? That's the mindset right now. So the, the story has to be to women and to independent voters. You think independent voters have Trump flags. I love Trump. They don't love Trump. They don't hate Biden. They're focused in on their own life. They got a mortgage. They got health care. They got a kid in school. They probably got a drug addict brother who keeps on calling up for money. You know how it goes. They're worried about their own life and they can't live their life under Joe Biden, but they don't like Donald Trump. So they're going to have to decide, how do, I, how do I get myself to vote for this guy? It's the money, honey. It's the money the economy, and it's the border. Those two things right there are kicking everybody's ass. And if your message, you were just talking about sending emails out to everybody. If I was on your team, every email would be about immigration and money. 
immigration and money, immigration and money, over and over, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. That's why every time you saw a diamond and silk, it was always the same, always the same, always the same. Have a Coke and a smile, have a Coke and a smile. Google it. Google it? You're really searching for it, but you Google it. Band-Aid, do you have a Band-Aid? It's not a Band-Aid, it's an adhesive strip. But because they said Band-Aid five million times, you think it's a Band-Aid. You go to a store, can I have a Coke? What about Pepsi? You get what I'm talking about? You gotta pound, 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 pound the message to the independents and to the women. That is how we get back into the White House. Now here's what Biden is gonna be talking about. Here's what Biden is gonna focus in his election. Student debt, I wanna give it to you all for free. LGBTQ+, gotta give money to Ukraine. Gas stoves are no good. Electric cars are the future. Racism, you're all freaking racist. Climate change is caused for every problem we have. Here comes COVID again. And of course, abortion, 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 abortion. Don't even have that conversation. If I'm in front of Donald J. Trump, I don't ever put any of those things in my speech. I talk about the big five. There are five things that every person in this country should care about. Doesn't matter what they are, a woman, a man, gay, straight, ugly, pretty, fat, skinny, old, young. Health, wealth, safety, family, and freedom. Those five things, think about your own life. Those are the five things all the time that you're looking at, thinking about, and doing. All the time. So like I said at the beginning, I can't go down every single one of these. I'm just gonna pick the cigarette, and the cigarette is immigration. Because with immigration, we can fix so many of these things, or at least start to fix them. So we're gonna go into that. And these are the things that I hope you agree with and the things that you talk to people about and say this is what Trump will do. Because this is what Trump will do. Now there was just, uh, my son is in the back. What was, he, what was he, from California, Dennis, that representative? Yeah. So there's a representative from Congress in California, and he just got up and he tried selling the country that Donald J. Trump's immigration plan is based on four things. Number one, alligators in a moat. Number two, shoot illegal aliens in the leg as they come over. Three, electrocute the fence. And four, bomb northern Mexico. I think if you put mandatory E-Verify at the end of that, it's a great list. But seriously, they wouldn't come anymore, would they? They would stop. Well, that's not Trump's immigration plan, and it's not going to be what's going to work. What you have to do is you have to talk about people what's happening right now. Because what's happening right now at the border is the worst that I have ever seen it tenfold, and I've seen it probably more than any other American, notwithstanding the Border Patrol. Four films, hundreds of media appearances, all at the border, from California all the way down where the fence runs into the Pacific to all the way down to Mission, Texas, and along what they call the ice bridge up in New York and Vermont and New Hampshire. I have seen every single last piece of it. And I remember one time being with Megan, and this is back with Obamacare, and I was on with Megan one-on-one, and she's like, oh, Dennis, listen, people are very concerned. You know, Obamacare is changing the nature, it's changing the country, but... I said, no, it's not, Megan. No, it's not. It's not Obamacare. Obamacare is an insurance policy. We can change that. Barack Obama said the plan to us, and nobody paid attention but me. Barack Obama said, we are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Do you remember that? 
You do not transform a country through insurance. You transform it by throwing third world migrants into every single town and city. Because once you get them in and they start getting embedded in society, it becomes really hard to get them out. And what you're watching right now with Biden is Obama 2.0. This is Obama's extension. He knew to get this country to change and never change back was to do what you're seeing right now. Is it too late? Not with the right president. I'll tell you right now, if you have President Lynch, this problem would be done in a day. And there's a lot of things that Trump should have done the first time and he didn't do it. And I don't want to sit up here and bang on him because I'm going to vote for him and I'm going to go crazy trying to get his message out. But there are things that he could have done that he didn't do and we're serving, we're dealing with it today. We're dealing with today. If you go home on your Amazon Prime after you watch my homeless movie, United States of Tense, then watch They Come to America. Search for it. Those two films, two of the most popular films in the documentary section years back uh, on Amazon. And in that movie, I say, if Joe Biden wins, we're going to have open borders. And what do we have? We have open borders. But one of the things you'll see is that Trump goes down and he speaks to the Department of Homeland Security and he speaks to the Border Patrol. He's at a big, huge press conference and they're all sitting around. And Trump says, why is the border, why are we getting caravans? Why are we getting the surge? See, when Trump was on the stump, he sounded like me. Send them home. We're going to build a fence. Mexico's going to pay for it. All the other stuff, deportation squads. So what happens is when, you have a, when you're a migrant and you're coming from Central America, you have a six-month span. So now all of a sudden it's November and you say, oh, my God, that guy's in. I'm going to lose the $5,000 I'm going to pay to our cartel because he's going to deport me right away. I ain't coming. And that's why when April came around after Trump was in office for three months, our apprehensions at the border were 15,000. We just had 302,000 in December. 15,000. Trump didn't even sign a law. He didn't put any laws into place. He didn't write an executive order. He said he was going to eliminate DACA on day one. He didn't do it. So why did it stop? Because the tough talk, the tough talk, we ain't going to take this shit anymore. That's what happened. Trump was tough. And they stopped coming. But then at the end of summer, he thought he would work one of his business deals with the Democrats and he miscalculated because he said, I want the money for my fence and you're not giving it to me. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give you DACA. We'll let all the kids stay. I love DACA kids. It's a tweet to this day. I love DACA kids. And then when that went out, that message went back home and they said, oh, he changed his mind. And then all the caravans came. And then when they sat down and he said, why are we getting all this stuff? What's going on? They said, Mr. President, during the interviews, people are telling us that you changed your tone on immigration and this is why we are where we are. Oh, okay. Won't make that mistake again. And he won't make that mistake again. So from a healthcare perspective, if I was just doing a speech tonight about healthcare, I would tell you that this country has to change its mindset from we are in a treatment mode, we should be in prevention mode. But as far as it goes to illegal aliens, illegal aliens are using your emergency room as their birthing center and as the place they go to the, for, for the flu and if they got an ear infection, who do you think's paying for all of that? Yeah, it's $50,000 a birth. Dennis and I, when we did our first They Come to America film, going back to the first one I ever did, I did the Miami Health System, whatever it is called down here. It was a, a woman, I remember uh, Sandy Hare, I doubt she's still there anymore. She said, we're going out of business. 
And I said, why? She says, because we have so much medical debt that's not paid for. These people are coming in, running up the bills. We have to serve them. They're coming in through the emergency room. I can't turn them away. Do you know how much money 50 million people, because it's 50 million, if not 60 million illegal aliens, are costing us at the hospitals? It's insane. Shut the borders, send them home, watch your premiums go down. That's without me going into prevention treatment and hanging the drug companies upside down. I got a whole plan for that. That's next year's speech if I'm invited back. Wealth, right? I told you the five things everybody cares about. Wealth. Inflation. Just to give you people a, a little lesson, if you forgot about inflation, what inflation is is basically the supply and demand issue, right? Three bottles of water, 250 people, you're thirsty, I'm going to sell that bottle for 20 bucks. But if there's a whole load of water in the back, you're not going to pay me anything. So what's happening right now is we're allowing 300,000, 250,000, 225,000, millions of people every single year coming into this country and needing the same thing you need, food, housing, fuel. And Joe Biden wants to blame it on uh, COVID. No, these people are coming in, they need the same stuff we need. And the prices are going up. And one of the reasons why they're going up is because we don't manufacture anything anymore. Because our kids are so stupid in school, they don't play with Legos anymore, right? They don't. So this is what's happening. We got jobs being stolen. I just told you the story about the guy, Tom Waddell, how I even got into all of this mess. Identifications being stolen. People's credits going to the shitter because somebody stole their, their ID and went out and got a job or bought something and didn't pay the bill. Every single day, you got to call up every single day, try to get somebody to say, oh, I'm sorry, you lost your ID. Oh, okay. No. Wages. Wages. Do you know who pays for this more than anybody else in a wage standpoint? The black communities. And you know what? I talk about this on my show all the time. I mean, I created Diamond and Silk. I, I char I'm charitable. I give away money all the time. I give away to, to black, uh, black kids constantly. We just give away $60,000 worth of books to underprivileged kids. So it's not like I'm some racist here, but the black communities are a freaking mess. I'm an entrepreneur, one entrepreneur of the year. Hey, Dennis, we will let you open up a store right now in Fort Pierce, zero rent for 10 years. No, thank you. Because it's a mess. And you know why? Because there's no opportunities there. There's no jobs there. There's no fathers there. That's another, that's three years in the making, you'll have me come back. But the black communities are the ones who are getting their asses kicked with all these people being busted in and going into those communities. And so they're never gonna get jobs. And so the crime's gonna continue to go. This is Joe Biden's voter block. College kids, college kids coming out of college with $150,000, $200,000 worth of debt. We're giving their jobs to the people we're bringing in from overseas. I had a guy come to one of my speeches one time. He said, Dennis, I was a contractor. I left contracting because I couldn't get a job anymore. I went into coding. I can't get a job coding because they're bringing in people through you know, work visas. It's endless. Safety. No vetting. We're allowing haters into our country. It was just a video. If, if, if you watched my podcast, you would have seen it. Just had a guy come in 
who allegedly was a terrorist and was released 12 days ago from some place, my son would remember these names, one of these Middle Eastern places, and he comes across the border, and we just so happen to have an independent camera guy down there, and he, and he says, uh, not us, you know, the American guy down there, and has a camera, and he says, where are you from? And the guy says, you don't know where I'm from? You'll know where I'm from soon enough. And then they started doing it, like, oh my God, this guy was on the terror watch list. Now he's somewhere in the freaking United States. We had another guy just arrested in Minnesota. He's been floating around the United States for a year on a terror watch list. I just did another thing. Boats, watch They Come to America 4. We open up They Come to America film on the coast of California. And I'm talking to a border patrol agent who's retiring in a week. So he has diarrhea of the mouth. He's telling me everything. And so he says, yeah, see this right here? He says, they don't come across the border, the bad guys. He goes, what they do is they take the boats and they go up about 10, 20 miles and they come in and they dump them off on the, on the, on the, on the uh, sand. And I said, really? I said, why would they do that? He says, well, if you're a terrorist, he says, and you're going to pay $100,000 for safe passage, you think they're going to try to take you through the border and maybe run into a border patrol agent? I said, you're kidding me. He says, no. We had a team. We had a whole boat team of Border Patrol agents to stop this. They disbanded it. We just showed a video yesterday, go right up on the beach, 30 of them, all dressed in black. And you know what they do? They go into the residential area and they hide in plain daylight. No vetting, crime. Everybody here, anybody here see the video with the four, five, six, seven, eight illegal aliens that just beat the living crap out of the two New York City Police Department? Guys, okay. My buddy, my best friend since I've been a young guy in the back of the room, his name is John Gavin. He's a retired police officer from New York City. And I just asked him, I said, Gav, what, what would have happened if those cops would have shot those illegal aliens? He says they'd be in jail. How can that be? How can you be a cop? You're putting your life on the line. You got your family at home. You're just trying to make an average salary and you're going to get your ass kicked by eight people who shouldn't be in this country, and if you go to defend yourself, you're the one going to jail? How did this country become where the victims are the criminals and the criminals are the victims? Joe Biden. Joe Biden. You know, I was on MSNBC the one time they actually put me on. And he said, <laughs> he said you know, when you're on television, it's called a hit. So you either get a three-minute hit, a seven-minute hit, or periodically you'll get a 15-minute hit. 15-minute hits are only for if you're announcing for president. So I had a seven-minute hit, and this guy was trying to pick me, pick me, pick me, and I was just boom, 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 boom. He didn't stand a chance, so he pulled out the whole racist card. So he says, uh, yeah, let me ask you a question, Dennis. He says, uh, you know, uh, how many Latinos have actually come through the border and created a terror attack in this country, huh? And I said, you know, that's a very irresponsible question. And he said, why do you say that? And I said, well, let me tell you why. And he said, all right, but Dennis, <laughs> time's up. We've got to go to commercial break. We'll definitely have you back. I was never asked back. Let me ask you a question. If you're a woman and you've been raped by an illegal alien, is that an act of terror on you? Okay. If you're a mother and you're driving on I-95 in Florida and you got a little baby in the back and it says baby on board and a DWI happens and it's a Latino who came in over the, uh, over the border, or it's a Muslim, or it's an Irishman for that matter, who came in through our border, got drunk, drove in a car you saw wasn't supposed to be driving, hits the back of your car and kills your baby. Is that an act of terror? 
Okay, you tell me what the difference is in those two stories and the person who I saw jump from 80 stories high. There is no freaking difference. We're being terrorized every single day. And sooner or later, I guarantee this, I guarantee this, and I hate to say it, somebody in this room is going to be the victim of one of those scumbags coming through our border. Somebody. And that's true. We were I'm, I'm, T-boned by a guy who was illegal, no ID, driving through a red light at 65 miles an hour. I'm grateful to the good Lord that we have our arms, our legs, and I can talk about it. I appreciate that. Now, 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 what the left would say to him, what the left would say to him is they would say, that could have been anybody. That could have been an American citizen, that T-boned Jew. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. It was a crime. It was an accident. It was a death to somebody else, obviously. A death, a rape that didn't have to happen. But it's happening. Family. What's the one thing we all care most about? Our children and our grandchildren. We want to leave our kids more than what we had. That's not happening right now. I don't know how I'm going to leave my kids more than what I have. I don't know how I'm going to do it. When these kids are going to school, they're going to school. They're bringing in disease into these schools. Diseases we thought we eradicated. You know, oh, there's so much tuberculosis coming on. Why, there's so many, uh, why does everybody have the RSV thing? Oh, yeah, oh, measles? I thought we got rid of that. These kids are bringing these, uh, these diseases over. They don't even know how old they are going into the schools. And they're getting your kids sick. That's not what we pay our taxes for. And so now these kids are coming down here. My son, Ryan, in the back. Raise your hand, Ryan. Okay, Ryan was a phenomenal, phenomenal football player. If I played a highlight reel right now, you'd be like, oh, wow, he could have been like, you know, something great. Yeah. Does everybody remember homecoming when you were in high school? Football game, right? Cheerleaders, football. Ryan didn't have a homecoming game. You want to know why? It was a soccer game. Soccer game, because East Hampton, New York got inundated with illegal aliens. So we had a bigger student body of illegal aliens than we did Americans. Homecoming, soccer game. Kids taking the field that don't even deserve to be on the co- in the country are now in the game. My daughter, Ashley, not here tonight. Her graduation from school. You guys all got up to hand over your heart, start doing the pledge. I'm in the back. They're speaking Spanish. While they're doing the, the, the pledge, they're not, even, they're not even giving us the respect to honor our country. I told them, I said, shut the F up. You know? This is what we're talking about. Radical colleges. These colleges, Harvard has billions. You want to know why they have billions of dollars? Your kids are sitting there filling out applications. You're putting the house up. You're selling the car. You're figuring out how you're going to get Johnny enough money to get to school. Well, you know what? The people from overseas are paying full price. So they keep on coming over and coming over. And now we got kids in the middle of the street cheering for Hamas. Huh? How are you supposed to give your kid anything? And the biggest problem of all of this, how many people here love the United States of America? There you go. You think they're teaching that kind of thing in school right now? They're teaching English as a second language. All America is, is an ATM machine for these other people. And that's why the banks love them. They make tons of money from the cartels, tons of money from all the illegal aliens. 
Trump knows this. So the solutions, I'm wrapping up here. Here's what it is that can solve this problem like that. And Trump has to be telling people this. And you've got to be sending emails to the Trump campaign. You've got to be sending the emails on Truth Social. You've got to be sending out that you want a plan. You want Trump up there talking about the economy and immigration and all the things I just talked about. Because let me tell you something. If I was running for president and I had an hour and a half, two hours on stage and I didn't have a two-hour ride home, I would have every single one of you in my, in my palm. First of all, I would deputize every single law enforcement person in this country to be able to execute immigration laws. Donald J. Trump knows this. I know this. Joe Biden knows this. Joe Biden right now could stop what's happening at the border very easily. The president of the United States holds the power to stop all immigration. He can literally say Chinese can't come through the border because they present a national security risk. He can make every demographic right now a national security risk. He doesn't do it. Trump can do it. But you got to be able to empower the people in law enforcement. That's number one. Number two, deportation squads. That is a Trump idea that never came to be. Let me tell you what I would do as a filmmaker. It would be the best video you've ever seen on YouTube, although they'd take it down, so you'd have to watch it on Rumble. If I was the president of the United States, I would tell my best friend, go round up all those illegals working at the XYZ Corporation. And I tell my sons, get the cameras and film the whole thing. In fact, let's do a Facebook Live of it. And let that be watched. We're rounding you up. We're deporting you home. None of this judge BS going in front of the judges. And you know what? If some liberal judge doesn't like it, come get me. And the numbers spell the problem. We have people dying in this country that don't need to be dying. The country itself is dying. He could turn it off. Deportation squads, film it. And then you know who else gets screwed? The person who's hiring those illegal aliens. I'd be finding them. They wouldn't have a pot to piss in when I was done with them. You want to stop a problem? I'll tell you that right now. Stop a problem? Any single person here commits a crime. If you don't pay a price for that crime, you're going to commit it again. So anybody who's hiring, it, our own governor, and I love DeSantis, but he falls short in many different places. He signed on mandatory E-Verify, except for if you have a company that has 25 employees or less. Oh, gee whiz. Let me see, Dennis Lynch, what would he do if I had 50 employees? Well, well I divide it into two companies. And come on, you know why he did that? Because he had people in sugarcane and all throughout this, this state say, you can't do that, I'll go out of business. My ass. There was a story in the New York Times. They were complaining about what DeSantis did. Construction up in uh, Jacksonville started to come to a halt because the E-Verify came in. So what happened? The guys left, the illegals left. They had to start paying Americans higher wages. That was the complaint. It works. It works right there. Your own President Trump. Go back to my movie. I gotta, gotta, I gotta give him the punch in the stomach when he deserves it. He was on Fox News, and the, 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 the uh, British guy, what is his name, Hilton, Steve Hilton, yeah, S says to him, Mr. President, I never hear you talk about mandatory E-Verify. And he says, well, he goes, I may be countering uh, what I believe in. 
He says, but when we were building the hotel in DC, we were using E-Verify. He's like, we had to go through 28 people till we could find somebody legal. Hello? Put it in. You just sold it for me. Mandatory E-Verify with extreme fines. Stand your ground would be something that was allowed to be at the border. These border patrol agents are getting their ass kicked. I've watched it firsthand. I've actually caught illegal aliens with them in the dead of night. They get spit on, they get punched, they get kicked. Uh, sometimes the knives come out. They're dealing with cartel members. Stand your ground. Now, I don't want to be shooting anybody, but I'll tell you right now, there's one universal sound everywhere around the world that will stop everybody in their tracks. You know what it is? That and alligators. Limit student visas. Charge students, charge the colleges for if they do take students in, they have to pay a fee. Six months. This is my last part here, and then I'll take your questions. We have a problem right now that a fence can't solve. I'm not a big fence guy. All right? I, I, I've seen it too many times. They go over the fence, they go under the fence, or the door gets opened, and they come through the fence. The cartels cut the fence, and they come through the fence. Until you strip away the incentives to come here, it ain't going to solve. All right? It, you know, if you were charged $1,000 a ticket tonight, I'd be talking to Ed and Faye. Although I think I'm worth it. But, but the point being, right? Take away the incentive to come here, they won't come. But we still have a problem. We got 60 million people in this country. Fence isn't going to stop them. Half the illegal immigration into this country was from legal immigration gone bad. A fence won't stop that. What does he mean? Visas. You get a visa to come over, a student visa, a work visa, whatever visa, a vacation visa, and you decide that you're going to stay. Before Biden was in office, it was a 50-50 thing. Now, forget it. It's tilted to more people crossing the border. A fence is not going to stop a visa violator. A fence is not going to stop the guy who paid $100,000 to go up in through the waterway. A fence is not going to stop the people coming over from the Bahamas that I've filmed coming over from the Bahamas and just getting off the boats there and in the Keys. You have to strip the incentive. So I would be making an announcement if I was President Trump that said, you have six months from this day to get out of my country. We are going to allow you to take all the cash that you basically have stolen. Take it home. We're not going to tax you. We're not going to even go after your cousin. Take it home. It's yours. You worked for it. We allowed you to do it. You got six months. After that six month, if you're still in my country, I'm taking every single dollar from you. And I am going to hunt down everybody else in your family, and I'm going to take their money as well. And you're going to get deported home with nothing. You watch those people leave. It was the only thing I've ever heard come out of Mitt Romney's mouth that was worth anything. It's called self-deportation. Rip out the incentives. They won't come. They will go home. And the ones that don't, the pile gets a lot shorter. You just deputized every law enforcement person in the country. It solves the problem. This is not a hard thing. 
For those of you who think it's a hard thing, I want you to go back, if you don't live in Florida for part of the year, go back to New York or Connecticut or Pennsylvania, go back to Massachusetts. I want you to remember what it was like during COVID. The LIE on Monday, pre-COVID was bumper to bumper, oh my God, it's taken me two hours to go 20 miles. And then all of a sudden COVID, there was nobody on the street. It's the will. It is the will. So, my final words to you. You came here tonight, you paid your money, you had to listen to me rant and rave, right? But at the end of the day, you're here because you love your country and you know we have a problem. You are the difference. And I'm not just sitting here giving you fluffy stuff. You are the difference. You have to go the extra mile. You have to send the extra email. You've got nine months to do it. Start by taking that one person in your life who says they can't vote for Trump and talk to them about just even some of the things that I talked to you about here today. Now, if you forget most of it, I'm going to give you the second commercial. Download for free the DML News app. And if you decide you want to become a member and you do live chat and stuff with us, we would appreciate it in a big, huge way. My son handed out the cards. It's almost impossible for you to make a mistake on it. Unless, of course, you're here through the border. We did not write it in Spanish. All right. And if anybody has a question, I'm going to take like three or four. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Get the Dennis Michael Lynch podcast every day by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And download the DML News app from the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store for breaking news, merchandise, films, exclusive content, and Team DML.